0: songs of praise and worship and thanksgiving, so would you stand with me as we start our service and we'll pray together and then uh, sing together. Father, we do praise you for your love for us, Um, the fact that you got us all here this morning. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We don't take anything for granted in our lives, we recognize that you're in charge of us Everything that comes into our life is from your hand. We need to accept it as that and see or look for your purposes that your spirit can show us the things you're doing in our lives, the things you're trying to teach us. And sometimes it's just to uh, encourage us and to show us how much you love us and sometimes it's to correct us and sometimes it's to Show us uh, a way you want us to go to lead and guide, and we thank you for every opportunity that we have and every way that we see your hand in our lives. So we pray this morning that you'll use the music and your word to do just that, to encourage, to help us praise you and love you more. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So. Normally, all the hymns, I, I, I try and get a mix of things. This morning, for some reason, I, I kind of wanted to have a theme, and our theme this morning is Thanksgiving. Um, I don't know about you, but I look in the Bible, and one of Satan's greatest tools is to make us unthankful. Mm-hmm. His desire is for us to look at what God has given us and not be satisfied, or to think that somehow God is holding out on us and not giving us everything he should Think about it. Adam and Eve, he tells Eve, hey, God's holding back on you. He, he doesn't want you to know everything. Don't You need to get that tree and get some of that. And even when he was tempting Christ, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. said, I'll give you all of this. Just kneel down. To do not be satisfied. And for me to think of all the things that Jesus Christ has given me and still be dissatisfied is unfathomable. But I do it. <clears throat> Satan tries to convince me constantly that God is not as good to me as he should be or not giving me everything that I want. And so all of our hymns this morning will remind us again of just how much Jesus has given us and how thankful we ought to be. So we're going to start with Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds and also make known to everybody else all the good stuff he's given us, all the blessings that we have.
1: Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name Make known His deeds among the peoples Sing to Him, sing praises to Him Speak of all His wonderful acts Glory in His holy name, glory, glory Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and His strength keep on seeking. Seek His grace continually. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Seek of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Glory, glory. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and His strength. Keep on seeking. Seek His face. Continue only his face continually. Seek his face
0: continually. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I'm thankful that I don't miss too many of those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are too. Ah, uh, A great hymn. This is one. <clears throat> now I want you to think about this when you're singing this. It's easy when you get the end of the day and you're praying night to say, God, just thank you for all the blessings you gave me. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't say, could you name just a couple of them? Are you aware? Do you really understand? So this song, that's part of what this chorus says. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Think about individually all the great things God does for us. Count your blessings.
1: Upon life's pillows you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged, sinking, all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord has done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? You are called to bear. Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high your blessings, name them, name one, them one by, by one. one. Count your blessings, see what, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So amid a conflict, whether great or small, Do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count God your many blessings. See what God hath
0: done. Amen. You may be seated. It's a good song. Song, uh, "Come Thou Fount of Ever Blessing." Is uh, I like the first verse. They're asking God. I'm ungrateful sometimes, so I ask him, God, help me to be grateful, change my heart, make me a grateful person, make me a, a thankful person, and in, our, in ours here, the new hymnals, we're not singing out of the hymnals, the, this is the old version, the second verse, how many of y'all know what an Ebenezer is? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, they used to set up stones of remembrance, Israel did, for things that God did for them after they crossed the... Jordan River, they set up 12 stones as a memorial to God. Uh, When Jacob was, after he met God and wrestled with him, he set up a stone and said, this is Bethel where God met me. And in Ebenezer, so in our lives, God has done great things for us. And we should, in our memories, put those stones up, that Ebenezer, and say, I remember when God met my need here. It was amazing. So when you're singing that, thinking about some of the things that God has miraculously done in your life, to convince you of how much He loves you. Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
1: Come, Thou Fount of Every Blessing to my heart to sing Thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing all for songs of loudest praise Teach me a song, a melodious sonnet Song my play tongues above Praise His name, mine fixed upon it Name of God's redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I thy hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandered from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood Oh, to praise! I'll pray the debtor, Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a feather, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Born to wonder, Lord, I feel it, Born to thee, God I love, Here's my heart, Lord, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it, it from thy courts above.
0: One of the most amazing things that we can be grateful for is the fact that Jesus Christ calls us friends. And the uh, When he was meeting with his disciples, as they looked at him as their master and their uh, rabbi at one point he said you know me as your master but i want you to know that i'm your friend what a friend we have in jesus what
1: a friend we have in jesus All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged it to the Lord in prayer, can we find a friend so faithful, who will all our sorrows share, Jesus knows our every weakness, take it to the Lord in prayer. Later, cumbered with a of care Precious Savior still our refuge Take it to the Lord in prayer Do thy friends despise for save me Take it to the Lord in prayer Ships to take and shield thee. Thou will find us on his
0: land. Like to share a song um, called "I Need to Be" or. We need to be thankful, and looks at um, I guess one of the examples in the scripture that uh, there's a lot about thankfulness. One story that happened to Jesus: He was coming through Galilee, and these lepers were coming out. You know, heal us, heal us, ten of them. And he said, "Go, show yourselves to the priest." They walked, they ran away to the priest, and they were healed instantly as they were running. Only one of them came back to thank Jesus. And he said, Where's the other nine? (laughs) Where's the other nine guys? I don't want to be one of the nine. I want to be the one that comes back. I need to be thankful. can't believe how blessed i am how much god's given me a multitude of things on earth more in eternity you think i would be overwhelmed instead i have the nerve to act like god is giving me the things that i deserve i need to be grateful i need to be thankful i shouldn't assume because he knows my heart He doesn't need to hear. I need to say the word out loud so it can be heard. I need to say, thank you, my Father. The Bible tells about ten men plagued by leprosy. These outcasts cried to Jesus as He came through Galilee. All were healed and went away rejoicing as they ran. Only one returned to kneel and thank the Son of Man. They should have been grateful, they should have been thankful. They shouldn't assume because He knows their hearts, He doesn't need to hear. They need to say the word, out loud so it could be heard. They needed to say, thank you our Father. Sometimes things don't go our way And life seems hard to bear Our thoughts on things we do not have Our hearts weighed down with care Instead we should be thinking of Our Father's boundless love Rejoicing in His lavish gifts Sent down from up above We need to be grateful We need to be thankful. We shouldn't assume because He knows our hearts. He doesn't need to hear. We need to say the word How loud so it can be heard. We need to say, Thank you, our Father. We need to be grateful. We need to be thankful. We shouldn't assume because He knows our hearts. He doesn't need to hear, We need to say the word, aloud loud so it can be heard, We need to say thank you our Father, We need to say thank you our Father, We need to say thank you our Father,
2: same way that uh, that that you rescued the people of Israel that your hand protected them from uh, from their enemies and became their salvation that, uh that I can recall things in my life where you've you 've worked to, to strengthen me and to help me and Lord even the trials that you 've given us to uh, Lord to uh, to strengthen us and draw us closer to you um, I have to confess that I cheated and i looked at the end of your book lord and it shows that you win and and lord those who call you savior and lord are also going to win with you and lord help us be grateful for that for a future that is secure and glorious lord uh, help us to be grateful for the things you've provided for us today and uh, and lord help us especially Lord, being in in a, in a church like in a church like this where where we have people who are worshiping you and who love each other, uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in uh, in song, in the reading of your word in the same. Thank you for our pastor who loves you, loves your word and loves us. Uh, I pray that you put in his mind what you'd have him teach us and help us to listen carefully and take to heart what we would hear in your name we pray amen
3: good morning Good to see all of you here on this Lord's Day, this Communion Sunday, and those of you who are listening on or watching on, glad that you all can be with us as well. As we all know, we live in a country that's not doing so good, that's going downhill. A lot of that relates to churches, churches that are more and more becoming weak and, and not teaching what they ought, teaching air, things like that. And one of the keys, of what we talked about the last two Sundays, is fearing the Lord. And it says in Psalm 33, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Saved, lost, we're all supposed to fear the Lord. Well, today we're going to talk about being strong in the Lord. And they're related. Very, very important subject for each of us as Christians. And today I want to talk about this. And I'm going to start first with some general points about being strong in the Lord. Then we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and following. First point, to be a healthy, solid Fruitful Christian, you need to be strong in the Lord. Secondly, I think of young children. Young children, infants, they're not physically strong. You all know that they're physically weak, and, and of course they want to grow up and be strong, or that's God's plans, the parents' plans, desire for them. So too, young Christians, spiritually speaking, are weak. And God's desire for every Christian is to grow, become strong, Spiritually strong, but we don't always see that happening. But that's what God's desire is for every Christian to be spiritually strong. Christians who don't learn to be strong in the Lord will struggle. Life will be difficult. Life will be hard for them. And they won't be living in the way that God wants them to live. But those who learn to be strong in the Lord, they will please the Lord. They will give glory to God. They will be doing the work that God wants them to do. Fourth point, the whole Bible whole Bible is filled with examples of those who were strong in the Lord. You go back to Abraham, you go to Moses and Joshua, you have um, Deborah, you have Esther and David and the New Testament, Mary, Peter, Paul, and many others. They were strong in the Lord. They were ones then who did what God wanted them to do and they lived the life that God wanted them to live. And that's because they were strong in the Lord. Now turn to Ephesians 6. Number of other principles I'm going to look at. Just want to focus on one verse at this time, and then we'll look at the other verses later. Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. Paul has talked about a lot of things in the book of Ephesians. There's many, many important truths there for all of us as Christians. And now he comes to this last chapter. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord strength of his might. You see really there's two the three different words that relate to strength there. The first word is is strong, then the next word is strength, and the third word is might. Finally, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. What do we learn from these verses? First of all, God commands you. This is a command. God commands you to be strong in the Lord. Being strong in the Lord, then, is a matter of obedience. God tells you what he to be strong because he knows that you need to be strong to love him and to serve him and to do, then, the things he wants you to do. Secondly, this verse is in the present tense. Be strong. That's present tense. It means you to be strong every day and all day long. Being strong is not a matter of a once-in-a-while thing or, hey, I need to do this Christian thing or this situation comes up. It's a matter of being strong All the time. That's what God wants for us. John 15, verse 5. It says, He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That phrase that I've mentioned this in the past, that phrase, apart from me, you can do nothing, is one that has flipped through my mind hundreds and hundreds of times in my Christian life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so you can't do anything for God apart from his strength. And the key, according to this verse here, and we'll talk about this more, probably more next week, the key, this verse, is that you need to abide in the Lord, a, verse, a word that also means remain or to continue. You'd have this continuing relationship with him. I've used the illustration in the past. You have a plant that's bearing fruit or vegetables. And, it, and the fruit there, it's abiding in the vine. They're all connected. It stays connected. We have this spiritual connection with God. That then is the means of our, spirit, our strength. We talk about being strong, we're talking about being spiritually strong. But the truth is, being spiritually strong helps us to be mentally strong and emotionally strong, and physically strong as well. That spiritual strength affects us in every way. And so you should have a goal as a Christian to be strong in the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be strong in you. I want to be strong in you. Now, it says you to be strong... Strong in the Lord, and this means you're not strong in yourself. Very important. We're gonna develop this a lot more again this one next week. That is the strength we're talking about comes from the Lord. The strength we're talking about comes from 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 being strong in the Lord. That's the point. It's not from yourself. There's that verse, Second Corinthians chapter 12, 10, it says, When I am weak, then I am strong. The kind of verse most Christians really don't like that in one hand. Man, I'm weak. I don't feel good. You know, I feel out of it. When I'm weak, then I am strong. Turn to Judges chapter 7. You know this story. At least I believe that most of you know this story, but it's, it's good in this context to review this. Judges 6 and 7. about Gideon. And God had an assignment for Gideon, which is what you see in the whole Bible when he talks about some person, man or woman, even child, it relates to work that he wants them to do. Judges chapter 7. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of More in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. Now, therefore, come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 2,000 people re- returned, but 10,000 remained. That one statement. Now, you know the end of the story here? You know what happens? He weans out the weak even more so. So how many were left when all was said and done? How many? 300. And if you're a general, says, man, I want as many men as I can have. 300. And it's because of that verse. He didn't want them to say, my own power, verse 2, has delivered me. When I am weak, then I am strong. Fifth, being strong in the Lord is a general phrase. Means you to be strong in specific areas of the Christian life. For example, God wants you to be strong in faith, strong in grace, strong in love, strong in holiness. All those different areas it says in Second Timothy two, one, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want you to have a little faith or a little grace or a little love or a little holiness. He wants you to have a lot of it. That's what he wants. A lot of grace. A lot of holiness, a lot of, 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 of love. All these things, that's what he wants. And one of the best examples in the Bible, in the New Testament, in fact, I think is absolutely the best example, apart from Jesus, of course, who was perfect, is the Apostle Paul. That, that, that person was a successful Christian and did so much for God because he was weak in himself, but he was strong in the Lord. That's what was going on there. Let's now turn to, let's go back to Ephesians 6. We're going to look at, really, the, the rest of our time is pretty much focused on, on these verses. But as, as you look at the bulletin, you saw that, that the next two Sundays are on the same subject. It's a big subject. I mean, be strong in the Lord. <laughs> it's a huge subject. There's so much. You read your Bible, you'll just see this truth really popping up all over the place. So, chapter 6, verse 10, on to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that she'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, which, which is, is, can, can conveys to us one main point there. You need to be strong, Lord, because who are you fighting against? You're fighting against an unseen enemy, an enemy who's got all these other forces out there. I mean, this is the truth. You, there's no way you can spiritually fight this, this war, this unseen sp- war, this spiritual war against the devil and his forces on your own. You can't do it. You've got to be strong in the Lord. It's a whole different way of thinking that we, than, than the world might say. and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, then pray at all times in the Spirit, unto this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I'll just make this one comment here. That last verse talks about praying for the saints. And one thing you can pray for the other saints is what? That they're strong. That they're strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. You all know different people. You have no people in this room. Family, friends, children. Pray that they're strong in the Lord. That's a good thing to pray for. This passage gives us several keys to being strong in the Lord. And it's telling us about this spiritual armor that God wants us to have on. And without this armor, we will be weak and more exposed to, 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 to different difficulties and schemes, particularly an attacks of the devil. So let's go over these. And we're going to go briefly, cover them the rest of our time. First, there's the truth. First, there's verse 14. The truth is foundational. It's essential. Truth is like the bones in our body. The bones in our body hold us together. If you had no bones, you'd be a jellied mass on the floor, right? You all know that. You've got to have the bones that give you strength, physical strength. Another analogy is, is a house. It needs a foundation and framing. You've all seen houses being built, I assume, and you see others that are concrete, foundation, and then what happens after that? The framing, you know, the two-by-fours or two-by-six, I don't know much about building, but those things, the framing of the house, right? The framing. Framing and the foundation give the house stability. Gives it structure, gives it shape. It gives it strength, okay? That's what we're talking about here, the truth. It's all kinds of truths. Truths you need to know and believe. Truths about God. And we could spend the rest of the year just talking about truths about God. So I'm just summing this up very quickly. Truths about God and about Jesus. About Jesus Christ. Truths about the Holy Spirit. And truths about the church. And truths about your salvation. And truth about your sanctification and being spiritually strong. Truths about the future. All these truths. That's how he starts off. It's foundational, knowing these truths. And oftentimes, Christians are weak Christians because they don't know these truths. When I came here in 1999, if we recall, some of you were here, a lot of you weren't here, I spent the first, I'm not sure, six, eight, ten months just talking about basic foundational truths. I still got my notes because I knew that's what's most important for a church. They have to be founded upon the truth. Secondly, there's the breastplate of righteousness. This means you know you're righteous in the Lord. This means you know that you're loved and forgiven by God. This means then you know you have a clear conscience. Very important. So being righteous, knowing you're righteous, and believing you're righteous then gives you spiritual strength. Get that? Very important. Oh, well, that's pretty basic. Well, let me say something here. There's many Christians... Many Christians, and I've known many throughout my life, hundreds, who don't have clear convictions about being forgiven and about being loved. And they're weak Christians. They're weak. They're Christians that really don't believe, well, God doesn't really love me, or am I really forgiven? And they go through months or years of their life like that, or maybe their whole life, because they don't believe that. And as Steve even shared before, man, there's so much about this truth. And it relates to having the breastplate of righteous. I am righteous. It says in Proverbs, in place, the righteous are as bold as lions. The righteous are strong. So that's the second piece of the army. Next. Well, let me at this point here. Well, next point. There's a gospel piece. This relates to the feet Feet have to do with having purpose. You have feet so you can go places, right? So you can fulfill the work of God. And it says the gospel of peace because, in essence, our purpose all centers around the gospel. The strong Christians, then, once you're strong in the Lord, have a direction in life. They're working for God, they're doing the work of God, they're fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. When you're reading the Bible about being strong in the Lord, which you about always see. You about always see that it's talking about some perp- person carrying out the purpose of God. That's what you see time and time again. We're going to look at Joshua in a little bit here. Joshua chapter 1 had a purpose to lead the armies to conquer Canaan, go in and take the, pal- the, pal- the, 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 the Palestine, really, land of promise, and he had to be strong in the Lord. But this verse here, i want to read this one. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. This is David. He, was, he knew he was going to die, probably about 70 years of age at that time. And, and he was talking to his son Solomon. And this is what he says. He says, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. You know, one of the greatest needs in this country... Is for strong men. You all know that. It's one of the single greatest weaknesses. and The devil attacks men, right and left, young and old, single and married. He attacks, he attacks, he attacks. So you women, pray for strong men. Pray for strong men. And yes, we should just be strong. You know, do we need prayer? Oh, yeah, pray for us because we're being attacked. Because the devil knows you wipe out the men, you're going to have a weak church, you're going to have a weak country, and that's what we see. I'll give you so many more examples about that. Next here, there's a shield of faith, and this shield is a defensive piece of armor protecting you from the flaming arrows of the evil one. And having your shield protecting you means you're trusting God. It means you're relying on God and his promises, not succumbing to doubts and fears and to the lies of the devil. So this one is faith. Strong Christians have faith. We see the importance of faith. If you read the Gospels, you know that Jesus was continually exhorting the people, encouraged them to have faith. Not a little faith, not weak faith, but great faith and, and strong faith. I just mentioned Paul. There's no doubt that Paul was strong in faith. Was strong in faith. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 relates to the previous point, too. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 says, Be on the alert. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That's it. it. relates to faith. Be a man. Be strong. And it relates to women, too. I'm not sure saying this verse doesn't relate to women. Of course God wants strong women. The country needs both strong men and strong women. There's no, no doubt about that. Continue. Verse fifth point here, under Ephesians 6, these different pieces of the army. There's a the helmet of salvation. This word salvation is referring to our, our hope. It says salvation, and specifically that means that at the coming of Christ, we will get brand new bodies. We'll be fully saved. We'll be glorified at that time. Having hope, knowing that God has a wonderful and perfect future for you then, is soul strengthening. Gives you spiritual strength, knowing that You've got a future, knowing that you'll be glorified. And it helps you to keep going. If things are hard sometimes, you need to think about your hope. And, and, and the way God wants you to think, because sometimes you're just stuck. We're mentally, spiritually, emotionally stuck in our present. You've got to understand that God's going to help you get through whatever you're going through. You're going to make it. Hope helps you to see that you're going to make it. Here we are, you know, the Psalm 23 even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with you, and he'll take you through it. Very, very important. This is hope. A great place to learn about hope is Hebrews 11. All these godly saints were doing God's work, and many were being persecuted, but they had hope, and they endured. And they knew that God would get them through life. That's what hope helps, that God will glorify you, that you will then be blessed eternally. So turn to Hebrews 11, just one example. Example of Moses. Moses is one of my favorite examples. I, I, I've told you this before, but it just to, to visualize this, to think about this, Moses with, with what, two million people, men, women, and children, leading them through the desert. And I'll still never forget back when my wife and I went there back in the late 90s. We were on this bus going through this desert, and it was a... People say God-forsaken place. It was a desert. Man, how'd they do it? And Moses had to lead these people, and they were grumbling and complaining. For the most part, they were not happy. Anyway, Hebrews eleven twenty-four 24, 25, and 6. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure the ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing of pleasures of sin. I was talking to an individual yesterday, very very interesting to this conversation. I want to talk to him some more. But he's a a, a boss. I mean, he's a manager at his office, three different divisions under him. And and he would just tell me about the people. He tries to hire young people, and they just want to have it easy. I want to work at home. I want really good pay and good benefits. This country is soft. Passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward, which means he had hope. The reward is, of course, after this life. He was looking forward to the reward that God wanted to give him. Next one here, back to Ephesians 6. There's a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That it says sword means it's a... It means it's not a defensive weapon, but let me explain that. When you go to the New Testament, you look at the word sword. There's, there's two main words for sword. The one is for this long sword, and it's used more in a defensive position. Then there's a short sword, you know, the kind that you might fight in a hand-to-hand combat. This is talking about the latter, the short sword, offensively, on the attack. And soldiers need to know how to use this, this sword. And that's what we're talking about here. It says, says the sword, and it was so oh, interesting. You just got to think about this. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So what's the Spirit's sword? What is it? The Word of God. That's very basic. That it says the sword is God's Word means you need God's Word to be strong. And this is the main point of our whole message right here. I mean, everything else is important, but this is one main thing says in Psalm 119, 28, a verse I've thought of for years, strengthen me according to your word. God strengthen me. If you feel weak, if you are weak, the word of God needs to be strengthening you. That's what it needs to do. Strengthen me according to your word. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God's word is like food. You all know this. If a person doesn't eat physical food, he's going to become physically weak, and sooner or later he will physically die. We all know that's just basic knowledge. Many Christians live by their feelings and by their emotions and by their experiences, and not by God's Word. I'm not kidding. you. This is is real. We all have feelings, and feelings can be validated, yes, but they live by their feelings, their emotions, their experiences, and not by the word of God, therefore they aren't spiritually strong. Okay? We're talking the Word of God. So now let's go back to Joshua. Joshua chapter one. Again, I mentioned to you about Joshua. He's the one who was the commander-in-chief, leading the Jews into the promised land. But they had some enemies he had to defeat. So Joshua, chapter one. Is God then telling Joshua what he needs to do? And it's some preparatory words here very, very important. Look at verse 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three different times, the Lord says what? Be strong and courageous. And not just courageous, very courageous. And of course, this makes sense. You're going in this land, and man, there's all these enemies over there. And we know the end of the story. I've told you before. He was 31 and 1. That's pretty good. The one was, was it uh, AI? Or, I think it was AI. The sin of Achan, and they lost the war because there was sin in the camp. But 31 and 1 because he was strong in the Lord. But in the middle, we see there in verses 7 and 8 what's the focus in 7 and 8? The Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Of God. That means he needed God's Word because God's Word was an essential ingredient for spiritual strength and spiritual success. That's the lesson. Very simple. And so, to be spiritually strong in the Lord, a person must know God's Word and be founded and grounded in God's Word. Again, I, I, I'll say it again. A weak Christian is not strong in the Word of God. That's, that's it. God tells us what we need to know and do how we're to live, and the primary then key for our Christian life is that we need God's word. Primary key then is to be strong in the Lord, and what it says here is meditating, which is just another word for think. You need to be ones who are thinking deeply about God's word. Psalm fifty-one six. I've shared this, but I love this verse here. It says, "Behold, this is you desire that is God's. De- God, you desire truth." in their inner being. You all have an inner being. You have a spirit, a soul. What does God want in in your soul, in your heart? Truth, not lies, not doubts, not thoughts of the world and pleasure. Truth, and it comes from meditation. You all know about physical food. I don't know a lot about physiology, but I know this much. You have to chew your food, right? You chew your food, then it goes to your stomach. Part of that digestive process happens in the stomach. Further digestion takes place in the intestines, right? I I think that's all true. Okay, the food's digested in the intestines, and then what happens? The blood takes this broken-down food, whatever it is, amino acids, and I don't... and takes it to all cells of the body. It's an amazing thing. Amazing. that's, That's what happens. This physical food then strengthens, repairs cells, helps them to live and grow. And so God's Word... Spiritual food needs to be digested. And the way that happens, just two main points, real simple. You think. You think about it. And think about your own life. And what do you think about every day? I mean, I've, I've said this in the past. Analyze your thinking sometime. I mean, if you could analyze what you thought about in one given day, you'd be shocked. Your, your mind very well may be all over the place thinking about this and that and the other and all these different things that happen, things in the world or for family or friends or worries, all these things you're thinking about. What's God want? Truth in your inner being. That's what he wants. It's by thinking. Thinking about it. And so that's important. You think about your life. I mean, one of the most important things you can do in any given day of the week is to be thinking about God's word. Also then, relying on the Holy Spirit to help you understand and apply this truth to your spirit and soul. So it's not a matter of just, hey, I can figure it out. Lord, I'm thinking about your word. What does this mean? You're involved with the Lord and you're praying, God, what does this mean, this truth here I'm thinking about? What does this mean? What does this mean? It's so, so important that you have this truth and that you think about it. And so God's word then, his truth needs to become part of our thinking, part of our spiritual makeup, part of our life, and the means then by which we grow and live and do the work God wants us to do. So important. The main point today is being strong in the Lord. That's it. And what we're saying is, is, is that God's word through his, his spirit needs to be established in your heart, become a very part of your life. Ephesians sixteen seventeen says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Again, I'll say this again. We see this vital, important connection between the spirit and the word and you. So think about this. You're going along and as a believer, where's the spirit for you as a believer? Actually resides in you. So often that I have this mental picture. I'm gonna. I need to, I need to feed the spirit. <laughs> I need to give the spirit something to work with. I mean, not that. The Spirit has to have the Word of God. But that's how God operates. A Spirit-filled Christian is one who's a Word-filled Christian. You want to be strong? You have to have the Word in you. And the Spirit takes the Word and the works of the Word. The sword of the Spirit, the weapon of the Spirit is the Word of God. Very simple. Very simple. Job 21, 22. 20, Job 21, 21, 2. Yield thou... Yield now and be at peace with God. Thereby good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his words in your heart. So it says. So so part of this process, I'm not gonna belabor this point here, is is being humble. Proud people aren't gonna be thinking about the word, they'll be thinking about all kinds of things. It's being humble. Yield. Be humble. Yield now, right now. And be at peace with God. Thereby good will come to you. It goes on to say because of God's word. So Christian then, Christian effectively uses, effectively uses the sword of the spirit, then knows the word of God and uses the word of God and therefore is a mature Christian. Or we could say in this context of Ephesians chapter 6, he is a mature Christian soldier. That's what we're saying. Military, you all know this. Soldiers have their equipment on, right? They're, they're going out to battle, <laughs> And it's really amazing. I mean, you, you go back and you look at Civil War pictures or Civil War stories or stories from hundreds of years ago. I mean, I mean, the the armor is so complex. as whoa. Well. I mean, it's like all this gear. It, it, it's really encouraging. You know, they're going out and they're ready for battle. I mean, that's 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 a, that's a good thing. And so the only way they can be strong as soldiers is by using their armor. Well, that's how they win. That's how they defeat the enemy. So what we're saying here is you need your armor. We've just talked about it very, very briefly, this armor here. And every piece of the armor is important. Truth, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of spirit, helmet of salvation. You need them all. You need them all. But now we're talking about the sword, the sword of spirit, which is God's word. And God then has given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is powerful and effective in us and through us as we know the word, as we believe the word, as we obey the word of God. As that happens, then we're strong Christians. Very simple. Turn turn to Acts. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of all this, but I just want to just quickly read a number of verses that talk about the early church. Chapter 6, if you want to just listen fine, if you want to follow through, you can as well. All these verses are on my notes that are in the back of the church there. Acts 6-7, the word of God kept on spreading. The number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So the word of God kept on spreading. 8-25, eight, 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 verse 25. Eight, 25, it says, so, when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Chapter 12, verse 24. 20, 12, 24. Well, the, word, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Interesting how it says that. The word of the Lord continued to grow, the word of God kept on spreading. Chapter 13, verse 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Chapter 16, verse 35. 16, 25? It's someplace there. I wrote it down quickly this morning, this last verse. There's some verse there that talks about the word of God, the importance of it, and I can't find it right now, but it's there. I'll I'll let you know some other time. Let's go to 19.20. 19.20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. So we read about the effectiveness of God's word in the early church. The church was growing. The church was successful. The church was doing good because of God's word, and specifically because it was being taught and believed and obeyed. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Go there. I want you to see this. It's an example. At our men's meeting on Friday, we talked about Acts seventeen and the Thessalonican church. And 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 this verse here gives us one of the keys, one of the main keys of why they were a successful church. First Thessalonians two verse Thirteen. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. That's a good verse about the importance. Our church will be successful as we take in God's word, as we understand it, as we believe it, as we apply it, as we obey it, then that's what God wants. Say word, we're talking about Every word in the Bible, as said before, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so as a Christian then, I'm going to mention three words here. The words truths and commands and promises. Again, we could spend many messages in on each one of these. But as a Christian, you're used to know and believe the truths about God, and the truths about Jesus, the truths about the church, and truths about everything else that God has here in his word. You're to know and obey the commands of God. Simple commands like love the Lord. Simple commands like be holy or make disciples. And finally, you're to know and believe the promises of God. So important. All these are important. Truths, commands, and promises. Promises like the Lord is with you or the Lord will protect you or the truth of the the promise that Christ is coming back. All these things. So God's word is a very big subject. And it really covers every single aspect of your life. Not not the details. It doesn't say where you should actually work. But there's all these principles that are in God's Word that help you to know about work and finances and being holy and relationships and, and everything else in your life. And so it's important. It's important for you to listen to good teachers. It's important for you yourself then to study and learn and read and believe and obey God's word. And and so so we we've talking about Ephesians 6:13 through 17 these pieces of the armor but but the word of God whether you're talking about the sword of the spirit or the truth of God is what is foundational. It's very very important. The most important thing to be strong in the Lord. Hebrews 4:12 says this. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word that needs to be living and active in your life, then, then you'll be a prosperous and successful. You'll be a fruitful, a God-glorifying Christian. Well, we're going to talk more about being a strong Christian next week. There's, again, so much more that, that I believe God wants you to know about this. I'm going to conclude with three verses here. Psalm 18.1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 28.7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts with my song. I shall thank him. The Lord is the strength of his people. Psalm 31, 23, 24. Be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. So if any of you here are weak or sick or tired or in sin or tempted to sin and feeling lowly, worthless, or useless, or whatever else, you need to look to the Lord. The song we first sang, Psalm 105, what's it say in verse 4? Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. That last verse connotes the idea of this relationship between, or connection, say, between having a relationship with God and receiving his strength. Seek the Lord and his strength. And you do it by seeking his face, which means relational. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time. We just bless you because you are so helpful to us to see this, these basic basic truths about the Christian life. That strength really comes from you. Because apart from you, we can do nothing. I thank you for all these truths. Lord, there's so much here. Your Bible is filled with truths about being strong. And you just filled. And that phrase itself is a pretty frequent phrase. Being strong in the Lord so, Lord, help us. And we feel weak or tired or sick or whatever it might be. We've got problems or conflicts. We need to be strong in you. And help us, Lord, to see that, that all these pieces of the armor we are talking about the truth and the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, the gospel of peace. They're, they're all important. Lord, help us to see this and and to know that, but foundationally, then, is the word of God. I would, I would ask you, Father, to help us as a church, ones listening on, too, Lord, to be ones who are meditating on your word. This is really a key. It says Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His law meditates day and night, and then he'll be fruitful. That's what it says. Help us, Father, each of us. We, we think about so many things. If we're to catalog our thoughts in a given day, they'd be so numerous. And again, I said before, they're all over the place sometimes. Lord, I just ask you to help us. We need you. Help us be a humble people, individually, families in the church, Lord. And do strengthen us as a church, God. We read those verses in Acts. Churches were strong because they were hearing the word of God and, and believing the word of God, and they were growing. We thank you for that. So, Lord, we just bless you so much again for this life, because sometimes we'll say, man, life is hard. But, Lord, you give us all the strength that we need, and we thank you for that so that we then can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything you want me to do through you, God, who strengthens me. Help us to be able to say that. And we thank you again, Lord, for your love, your kindness, your mercy. all this time we think, Lord Jesus, about you and what you did for us. God's your purpose for us. Your spiritual purpose to save us and forgive us. And it happened because of Lord Jesus, which you did on the cross for us and then rose from the dead. So thank you again for this time. We do pray for Bethel, Lord, Raphael, and their, their church, Lord, thank you so much for them and their hearts. For you God bless them and all they do and protect them. Give them the strength that you want them to have so they can do the things you want them to do. Thank you again now, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we'll have our communion time. The singers can come up.
0: As we practice communion together, it is reminding us of the love of Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves us so much he was willing to die for us, and he loves us so much now that he's in God's presence ministering on our behalf, and our last, uh, or at least our song for our communion, if you'd stand and sing together with me, reminds us of that as well. Oh, the deep, deep. Love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Oh, the deep, deep love of
1: Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean. In its fullness, over me, me underneath me, me all around me, 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 is the me, current of Thy love, leading onward, leading me, homeward, to Thy glorious me. rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus Spread His praise from shore to shore How He loveth, ever loveth Changeth never, nevermore How He watches, voice upon God to call them on his own. How would heaven intercede, watching for them on the throne? Oh, the deep, deep of a chief. That's the blessing Tis a haven Sweet of rest Oh the deep deep love of Jesus Tis a heaven And to me, And it me Up to glory
3: There's a monthly little magazine my wife and I get called In Touch. It's Charles Stanley and it's got little one-page devotionals and very, really good. You know, it's one of my favorites because it's so simple. It's just basic. I mean, it's just really good. But this one is, was um, uh, the title, The Justice and Mercy of the Cross, and, and, and the, the heart of the gospel is, is what Jesus did on the cross. Satisfying God's justice and that then being the, by, by the means by which God could show his love to us. And we, we need to see this. That's I like how he said it here. If the Heavenly Father is good and loving, why would he allow his son to be crucified? From our perspective, there's nothing loving in this scene. To grasp what happened at the cross, we must first understand what the, that the Lord is righteous and just. He does what is right and never contradicts his word. On the other hand, mankind is sinful and deserving of punishment. God couldn't simply forgive us because he would then cease to be just, and justice requires a penalty for sin. Either the Lord had to condemn us all to suffer his wrath, or he needed a plan that would satisfy his justice and allow his mercy. Before the foundation of the world, the Lord had such a plan in place. Jesus came to earth to be our sin bearer. The Father placed our guilt and punishment on him because His Savior's payment, satisfied justice, sinful man, could be declared righteous. We trust in Christ and acknowledge that his payment was made on our behalf. We are forgiven of our sins and blessed with salvation. God's perfect son was the only one who qualified to be our substitute, and Jesus did it all willingly. Through an act that appeared cruel and hateful, God's goodness and love was revealed to the world. And so God then satisfied his justice through Jesus' death on the cross so that he then could make us righteous. And so he then could show us his love. That's what it is. It's very, very simple. One person said it this way, justice and mercy met at the cross. Justice and mercy met at the cross. God's justice satisfied. And that also then, the symbol of us, the greatest love that that he had for us. His son dying for us to make us free from our sin and he could be you know, our Father in heaven and have eternal life and be loved then forever and ever and ever. At this point in time, we're going to just bow our heads to pray. We, important, we understand this from 1 Corinthians 11, that God wants our hearts to be clean and righteous, okay? We all know that we're not perfect people, but, but if there's sins that are on our minds that we're aware of that we've not confessed, that that's what God wants us to do. He wants to be right with him, holy and blameless individually and of course as a church collectively here. So just take a minute or two silently for the Lord and, and confess anything that's not been right. Lord, you want to get right with him and, and then we'll have our communion. Thank you, Father, so much for you sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, pay for our sins. So, Father, now your justice is satisfied. You are appeased. Lord, we bless you for that, that big word, propitiation. You're satisfied, completely, perfectly, forever satisfied But what you Jesus did for us. nothing We haven't done anything. So many churches and religions teach good works. So many, a majority around the world, but it's by grace, it's by your mercy, it's by what you did for us, nothing that we could do for ourselves. We thank you, Lord, again, for this time now to remember you, to to, to know again your great love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did all of you get one of these little things here? Everybody. If not, raise your hand, we'll get it to you. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 13, 11 rather. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, and do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. I pray every day we... Realize this. Think about this, Lord. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness that we as believers would know and be convinced and, and, uh, of this truth. And, and we know how the devil, we read in First John 2, the devil likes to challenge us and make us feel guilty. We understand that. Help us to walk by faith, not by how we feel or how the devil at times makes us feel, but to know that what you did for us and what your truth says here in your word, God, is something we can stand on is solid, are righteous in you because Lord Jesus you are righteous. And God then you've made us righteous. We thank you for that. So thank you again for this time now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Activity-wise, uh, this week we have our Bible study on Wednesday, if you're able to come out at 6.45 to uh, get more into the Word, as Steve was saying, the sword of the Spirit. And then um, Saturday we'll have a work day, if you're able to come out and do some projects that we have around here in the morning, 8 to noon, that would be fantastic, this Saturday. And some of you might have already be aware um, uh, Frank of Pisa and Pamapisa Pisa over in Italy, our Italian missionaries. Um, so Frank is scheduled on August the 28th to stream live here with us and share what's going on in Italy uh, with their missionary work that our church supports. Um, with your tithes that you give, we support their work there. And uh, so put that on your calendar. That's several, uh, three Sundays away, looks like. April, the, August the 28th. And also just wanted to point out um, that uh, Frank did have a mini-stroke. You might have read that in their newsletter. So um, he did uh, communicate back with me that uh, he lost speech for about 15 minutes, um, but he doesn't say there's any damage lasting. So that's good. He just has the work now of uh, doing the things that some of us are involved with like what keeping your blood pressure under control and and uh, you know weight and things like that so just pray that you know, he'd continue to not see any damage from that that he would be successful in managing that aspect of his his life now so um, that would be great and pay uh, pray for Pam also uh, it said in the, in the newsletter that her cancer was reduced percentage in her blood was from 60%, I think, down to the 20s. So that's great that that God would continue to um, bless her health. So that's it. And uh, now we have our last song. And then for offering, you've got the box on the back table. You can mail it into the church here or give online. Thank you.
0: So you have one more opportunity to stand and sing with me, we have one more opportunity to sing a hymn of praise, and we're going to end with the wonderful grace of Jesus reminding us that uh, God has given us grace beyond all of our sin, and limitless grace for His work in our lives.
1: wonderful grace of jesus greater than all my sin how shall my tongue describe it where shall its praise begin taking away my burden setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of jesus Jesus, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountains sparkling like a fountain, all-sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Be true to all the lost. By it I have been pardoned. Saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder. Giving me liberty For the wonderful grace of Jesus Reaches me Wonderful the grace of Jesus Deeper than the mighty rolling sea Higher than the mountain Sparkling like a fountain All sufficient grace for even me Farther than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all I've my sin and shame. All magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise, praise His name. Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child, purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. For the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful, the master's grace of Jesus Deeper than the mighty rolling sea. Higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain. All sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions. Greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus,
3: song benediction psalm 59 the last two verses that as for me i shall sing of your strength yes i'll i shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning for you've been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress oh my strength i will sing praises to you for god is my stronghold the god who shows me loving kindness amen
1: amen